Gentlemen, support for KOTL is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-belt grooming. But let's be honest, you are going to use it for your abs. You're going to use it for your chest. You're going to use it, man. The summertime is coming. You are going to thank me. Trust me, I tried it. It's got the six-pack approval. It's safe. It's easy to use. It's cordless. You could, I mean, you could get it wet. Don't worry. This thing seems like it's going to be dropped and keep on moving. And not only will you thank me, but your girl's going to thank me. Please support the podcast that has supported the community all these years. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use promo code KOTL and pick it up at manscaped.com. Hello, this is Rory for King of the Lifts, and today I'm here with Evie Corrigan. Uh, So Evie was an IPF Junior World Champion in 2018. Correct. Was nominated to go to Sheffield in 2020, which of course didn't end up happening, uh, and is on the nominations in the 57 kilogram class for New Zealand for Worlds this year. So, hello Evie, how's it going? (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, So today we really wanted to talk about what your prep for Worlds has been like. So um, how are you feeling? I think like I'm I'm in good physical condition and I think it's probably gone as well as like any kind of prep can go. Like there's no kind of failed sessions and I haven't been injured and but I still don't feel like I'm ready yet. Like I'm not prepared enough for a world championship. What is what is prepared enough for a world championship? Well, exactly. I don't know if there ever is actually like a point where you're like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm now at my absolute peak. And I feel like if you knew that, that would also be a terrible thing to know because you'd be like, this is it. This is the top of the mountain like, and it's only down I'm from here. I'm perfect now. This is the Yeah, design. like this is, I'm, I'm at the best I'm ever going to get. Like you wouldn't want to know that. But yeah, I guess I feel like I'm not at my best. But that's okay because maybe the best is yet to come. But. I'm not at as strong as I would like to be going in, but also I'm often very self-doubting. So it could just be that everything works out really well on the day and I was wrong um, about where I was at, but I guess we'll find out. So you said you're not as strong as you would like to be, and I think we can all say that all the time. Absolutely. Uh, But are you as strong as you have been? Uh, Are you... Um... Or we I'm have probably, to wait and see. <laughs> I'm not a very secretive lifter. There's <laughs> nothing. I'm not here to do anything sneaky or like strategic, like psych anyone out. I don't think anyone is expecting to be psyched out by me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think actually deadlift and bench are going better than better than um, I have been previously. I think they're on track. Well, I PB'd my bench last night, actually, so they're going they're going well. It's good. Um, and deadlifts, like, I'm on track as well to lift heavier than I ever have. Squats, I think, are um, 
lagging just a little bit it's sort of a confidence thing I think that like the time away from the sport and like subsequent lockdowns um have really affected my squat and ma mainly my squat confidence with like really heavy weights like I just cake them <laughs> uh let's let's talk about that actually because um New Zealand had a little bit of a I guess a different lockdown experience to a lot of other countries um so for those listening, if you don't know, New Zealand went through a really, really harsh lockdown first in March 2020, and it was nine or ten weeks where nobody had access to to anything. Like mm. there was there was there was no gym. There was not like literally the only place you could go was the supermarket or the pharmacy. Um, and then that happened again, like a couple of times for just short periods of time, like a week or two. Uh, but then it happened again for about three or four months. I forget exactly how long it was um, between sort of about August 2021 and like, was it the end of November or the beginning of December 2021? Yeah, I think it was really close to the to the start of December because like it might have been like the second like of December, December 1st, or Freedom Day, like that big yeah. thing. <laughs> so. Yeah. so a lot of people, myself included, like just spent four months plus with no access to equipment at all so like how was the and and also not able to leave the country at all which is why new zealand hasn't been at wasn't at the last world championships hasn't been at any of the uh regional championships and so on and so forth so how did all of that uh affect your training i think i mean i think that's kind of twofold right like obviously there's the time away from training which is one part of it i mean probably the part that we most frequently think of when we think about lockdown we're like oh we can't train we're stuck at home um but the the other part of that is also the sort of wanting to train or like the motivation when you're coming back from so long of not training or of doing like very very light training it's like quite hard to get back into it and it's quite hard to um feel inspired as well like feeling like you're starting from the bottom even though obviously you're not because the strength will come back faster than it did when you first gained it I guess um but there's that and and like the lack of competitions was like quite demotivating even when we had competitions sort of on the books planned out they quite frequently were <laughs> either like cancelled or postponed or changed in some way or other and so it made you sort of like you almost don't want to get your hopes up about it because it could very well not happen and you almost don't want to put all that time and effort into training for it because it could very well not happen so I think like yeah there was two parts to it and the actual training the physical training side of things was not as bad as the <laughs> as the sort of mental impacts um I was one of the lucky ones that we did have some gear during the second lockdown and I was training consistently, so this would have been um, the end of last year. But, like, so hard to even... I mean, and I feel guilty saying this because I know that there were so many people who couldn't train and they were just really wanted to be able to, but even having the gear, I felt pretty demotivated. Like, I didn't really want to go out and train. I did it every day. Every day. Some of the days I went the, out the and training trained. Days. Yep. The training days. The training days I did. I did all of the program sessions. But it was like, you're just lacking the drive to really do the the sort of part that is exciting about powerlifting, which is like lifting heavy and like 
pushing hard. There's just none of that. Tell us about um, Nationals 2021. That's like a, the prime example of getting getting our hopes up, right? Tell us, <laughs> t- tell us about that. Oh, so sad. <laughs> the Nationals that could have been but never was. Or was if you were a Masters lifter. Um, so I was already, this, they were set to be in Invercargill, um, down right at the bottom of New Zealand, for those who don't live in New Zealand. Um, and I'd already flown down there and we'd done like a little ticky tour of like the bottom of the South Island, getting all geared up and my weight was good and my squats had been going really well. Everything was good. And then, um, we were literally through like halfway through maybe the second session of the masters lifters. And there's like a big announcement by the prime minister. We've gotten We've got COVID back in the country after being free of COVID for months. Like it was like the last thing on anyone's minds, really. Like we totally just thought we'd like gotten off scot free. Like we're, we're past it. The rest of the country had all of this stuff going, the rest of the world, sorry, had all this stuff going on, but we're like, yeah, we've made it, but no. Yeah. And then we just went into like a snap lockdown from there. Most of us thinking it was going to be another week-long lockdown maybe two weeks at most um we'd actually contemplated just staying put in Invercargill and waiting it out which I thank god we did it because we would have been stuck there (laughs) um because you weren't really you weren't allowed to travel regionally after a certain point um but yeah that was the beginning of four months of yeah it was so so bizarre to go from like I think I was maybe like three days out from competing to just you were stuck you were home. like midway through water loading or something, right? Or was or was it John? Midway John would have been yeah, that was him cutting down to sixty six, and he That's was right. like yep. it had been the most gruesome, grueling cut ever. And I remember as soon as it was announced, I was on the desk um, during the session, and John went to the restaurant um, at the hotel and ordered like four mains and it was like burgers and he ordered like mac and cheese and he bought wedges and he came and he like put it down next to me and we we finished the session like we were like oh well we're already halfway through so we'll finish it up but he came and brought this food i was like i can't eat that i'm like trying to work the computer just like the most yeah bizarre sort of and then we just holed up in our motel room in invercargill and just ate food and that's pretty much that was what continued for the next four months after that so (laughs) So I think two of my athletes were uh, Dana and Thomas. I I feel like they had a connecting flight. And so they might've been in Christchurch airport, like boarding the plane to Invercargill when the announcement was. Mm. And like, so I think they were literally on a plane on the way to Invercargill when the announcement was. And so I don't even know what that would have felt like. Like, Yeah, they, um, we picked them up from the airport. Oh, okay. And it was sort of like, it was comical at that point because we were like, this is just like, what the hell is going on? Like no one thought that this was, I mean, that seems naive now because you're like, well, we knew that COVID was a thing, but I think, I don't know if it's true of other places, but I think in New Zealand, like we quite quickly got back to normal life and it was very easy to forget about all of. Fortress New Zealand, right? Like there was like almost, almost a year where we had no, we had literally zero cases. And and just like no, um, no restrictions really. Like we dropped pretty much everything. Um, just the border but the border was closed border. like no one could come in um so it was quite easy to just sort of put it out of 
mind and, and continue as normal. And then we were like, oh, what is going on? Um, so yeah, we picked Dana and Thomas up and went and got Domino's, I think, because it was the only thing that was open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they literally flew out like maybe the next day and we flew out like two days later, I think. So I was I was also in Invercargill and uh, my sister was refing the session and I was on the jury. And so like while I was on the jury, I was on the phone with the airline trying to get us flights back to Auckland so that we could, you know. Mm. And so I think Briar and I managed to get like the last couple of flights yeah. the next day. Yeah. And so like we went to the airport at like 7 a.m. the next morning or whatever. And like the the water fountains were closed. Like you couldn't get water out of the water fountains. There was, there was no food. All of the couches had been replaced with like single seats that were like mm. two meters apart. It was like, like taped off. Yeah, it was all, it was all taped off. And so we were sitting like two meters away from each other on like adjacent seats with masks on. It's like the like zombie apocalypse or something. It was a very bizarre experience. I think it's the, like the really stark contrast and just like how fast it changed. It was probably, was it six hours from the announcement to when the, like the announcement was about 6 PM and the lockdown started at midnight mm. and then you had 48 hours from then to, to, to get, get back. back. Yeah. Yeah. To where you ordinarily reside. Yeah. It was that, yeah, it was definitely one of the, the fastest lockdowns we'd gone into. Yeah. And yeah. the longest. <laughs> and the longest. Yeah. I think that one was really hard for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I think it was hard in part as well because like there seemed to be a, po- a point where things were going in the right direction and cases were going down. Oh, yeah, and we got real. We got to really low, maybe even single digits, and then it just blew up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was pretty disheartening. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so with with that, that means South Africa is going to be your first time leaving New Zealand since like the end of 2019 yeah yeah since i came back i went to china after worlds in sweden mm-hmm. on the way back and so yeah i haven't traveled internationally since then which maybe doesn't sound like that long but i think if you're used to going to international comps or i even before powerlifting loved traveling so i was traveling internationally quite a lot um now it's like yeah it feels very scary <laughs> Yeah, I went I went to Australia a couple of weeks ago for the first time. Um and like prior to 2020, I I used to go to Australia for like, you know, a weekend or like mm. four days or something, mm. like once or twice a year. And even just doing that again was very like being on a plane again, being mm. at an airport again. Uh, planes suck by the way. They're just as bad as you remember them. Um <laughs> I'm a small person, so I like Oh yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. like not it's not terrible for me, to be honest. I kind of enjoy long plane rides. So I'm like, I'm, I'm six foot and I have the legs of a person who's like six foot two. So like, uh, yeah, it's not, not as pleasant for me, I guess. Um, South Africa is going to be a long one. What, what's your journey to get there? I fly via Brisbane to Singapore and then uh, stop over in Singapore at like five-ish hours or something. And then Singapore to Johannesburg. So it's about 10 hours... I think Brisbane, Singapore, ten hours, Singapore, Johannesburg. Yeah, it's. I think that I think I'm taking the exact same flights as you, but mm. but like two days later. Mm. Yeah, they're with Singapore Airlines, which is great. I have flown with them before, and they're pretty good. Almost as good as Air New Zealand. Actually, I think the first leg <laughs> of the journey is on an Air New Zealand flight. Probably um, that's, but like that's co-chair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So that's going to be, that's going to be really strange, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I feel so out of practice. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, what am I forgetting? Like there's, yep. there's so many other things you need to do for international travel. And I'm like, it wasn't until, I mean, thankfully I remembered in time, but I was like, oh shit, they have different plugs over there. Yeah. I was like, yep. I need to get a, I need to get a plug adapter. Cause I, they, and then I found out they use like three different plugs. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Also, also currency. Like I tried to go get South African Rand out of the bank the other day and the bank's like, oh, we don't deal in cash since COVID started. Like mm. you're going to have to go to like a special FX place. Mm. I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know where that is. Like, yeah, they just, it's different. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing is that things have changed drastically since COVID. So there's this, there's this like, oh yeah, international travel has like all its ins and outs and things that you need to do. And then there's the added layer the of like COVID the COVID stuff you yeah. also need to do and trying to navigate that. And like that stuff is so serious that like, if you fuck that up, you're not getting on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff about international travel that I've completely forgotten about. Like how do you pack? Like, yeah. Like I used to be really quick and efficient at getting through security. Cause I used to just have to do it all the time. Right. Mm. Like, you know, when we would travel to Sweden, it would be like international security, leaving Auckland, going into Singapore, going into Amsterdam, going into Denmark, going, you know, like you do it like six times over, yeah. over two days and you, you just get really good at it. And now I'm like, oh man, I have to take my computer out of my bag to go through. <laughs> yeah. And I've forgotten about like, I was like, oh, what is the, what's the baggage like weight? Like I couldn't, I couldn't remember how much baggage you were actually yeah. allowed. And I was like, what's the thing about liquids again? Like. What, yep. What's the thing about power banks again? Like, what you, yeah, there's, like, there's definitely a I'm thing like, about power banks, but like, which I don't one? know. I'm just, I don't know. And I'm I like, forgot. I'm having that urge of like, um, and I shouldn't be mean, but like, like a boomer that I want to like print <laughs> everything out, and yep. I have a physical hard copy because I'm like, what if? Yeah. My phone dies which is actually not that unreasonable my phone has terrible battery life but <laughs> what if all of these things happen and i need like a physical copy of my like travel insurance for some reason yeah in particular i really want a physical copy of my vaccine passport because you need that to get through to south africa like the insurance would be nice but like <laughs> if you don't have the vaccine passport and your phone is dead uh like I want like a screenshot of like the maps directions to my accommodation. So like if I'm lost and like unconscious, they'll like know where to return me. <laughs> you get like a little tag being like, if lost, please return please to Cabana's to hotel. I'm like, like, just in case, because you know, it's like, I've never been traveling internationally before. I'm like, Oh shit. I don't know how to do anything. People forgot all of the stuff. Yeah. 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 I feel particularly neurotic about it, particularly about the COVID stuff as well. I'm like, I'm so, so worried about catching it before I go. Mm, mm -hmm. But there's just not a whole lot you can do about that. No, sensible precautions and that's that's it, right? Yeah, and it's just like another one of those things like that's out of your control. And I think that's that's hard when that's hard when you're traveling anyway, but it's especially hard when you're traveling for like an international competition. Like there's already so many things that you can't control, and here's like another one that's like pretty has pretty dire consequences like if it happens so yeah i'm like oh this is a lot this is stressful yeah so i i had COVID a couple of weeks ago and it was it was really terrible way eh? um i honestly it was probably quite good timing because it means that i'm now recovered and i'm you know not immune but much less likely to catch it for for a little while um and that probably makes this travel like a little bit safer for me um mm. which is which which is good but like 
very unpleasant experience. Do not do not recommend it. Like one out of ten. <laughs> one out of ten? Maybe like a zero? Oh, uh, like, a little bit recommend. <laughs> well, at least if you've had it, you're not like like I'm, like, I'm less likely to get it for yeah. for a little while. So like that's the that's... I was I was definitely thinking that like as maybe like also a bit of an advantage like perhaps for the other competitors like maybe they've already had it but maybe they had it a really long time ago and they just go and might just get it again i mean they might just get it again but maybe they had it like at a convenient time like not that long ago and it didn't affect their training and now they're not going to catch it i'm like (laughs) i gotta wish that had been me but (laughs) it's not it's kind of too late now right like it's definitely too late now i fly out in a week so i like don't have time to compete don't have time to to isolate and then yeah so Mm. just Wearing a mask everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Sensible. I was the only person walking around in a mask in Sydney. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, and I still caught it. I caught COVID in Australia. Um, yeah. So something that I know that you do a lot of, put a lot of effort into is your mental prep. Do you want to talk about that at all? Do I? Maybe you could say something I know that you struggle with a lot is your mental prep. Um, that makes it sound really sad. <laughs> sort of, I guess, like, for me, I think the biggest thing that holds me back is my head. And, like, not being able to get in the right headspace. Um, and I sort of, I guess, like, touched on that briefly with squats. That, like, the thing that holds me back is my confidence. Um And so I, yeah, I guess I spend, I'm trying to work more on positive, (laughs) talking positively about my lifts and like what I want to achieve because I definitely am like a negative self-talk kind of person, particularly in regards to the lifts that like aren't going well. And that's probably true of most people. Like I hear people say stuff like that all the time. Like, oh, my bench is shit. Like I'm so shit at bench. Um, so yeah I'm trying to tell myself before I squat things like I mean I I think that the the words themselves depend on the kind of person you are but for me it's things like oh the evidence suggests that you can squat this much which basically means like you've done all of the work to to prepare you for this and like you should be strong enough to do this or you are strong enough to do this um as long as you believe (laughs) <laughs> yeah like a pair of shoes that give you the power to do the squats or something like i think i saw that movie <laughs> i Did, wish it was that simple didn't you break a squat world record like you Did are I? you you are an objectively good who is squatter. that person <laughs> so, can some, we get her on here e, can we get evie corrigan onto king of the lifts <laughs> please she come, could she enter the room <laughs> yeah i mean i think like i think some of it is also like feeling like that is a different person and that I haven't made it back to that person yet mm-hmm. yeah like that I I think that's part of not feeling like I'm at my best because I'm like oh but I'm not I don't know what that feels like to be honest like I don't know how you embody that but there's like a part of me that feels like I'm not the same person and I'm not the same person I was then and in all regards I should be better than I was then because I'm so much more experienced and like I've had so many more years now under my belt and I am objectively stronger than the person I was then. <laughs> um, but I guess the, the pressure of it or whatever makes me question all of those things and think that she was better than I am, even though 
that's what I think. <laughs> that's that's so interesting. <laughs> you get a little insight into the like <laughs> the argument that goes on in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think do you think negative reinforcement works for some people? Like do you think negative self-talk can can work for some people? Maybe in the short term. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how you use that to power you through years and years of training. Like, mm-hmm. it seems contradicting, right? Um, at which point, like, if it does work for you and you get stronger, then you're wrong about being shit or whatever. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to make sense, but it doesn't make sense. Um I don't know if it's helpful for us to push the ideology of like never enough. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I think that that contributes more to burnout than it does to progression. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think one thing a lot of people forget is to stop and appreciate how far they've come. Like, like you can always look at and be like, oh, the world record is this. And that person has squatted that in training and mm-hmm. like, and that's, and that's fine. And arguably I think you probably sh- should do that at least some of the time but you should probably sit back and go hey but also look at where i've been and celebrate success i'm starting to sound like my therapist (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's i think it's a matter of like you you could hold the two things right yeah they're not conflicting you want to be better but also you're proud of how far you've come well yeah yeah so like those they are not like exclusive of each other like you you can be both um, and you should be both like you, if you only think that you have to be better, like, wow, that's going to be, that's going to make your training suck. Like you're just going to be really and your down life on yourself suck. all the time. Like, I feel like your life would be quite miserable if you spent all of your time thinking I'm not enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, there would be many therapists out there <laughs> who would argue that that is true. <laughs> that uh-huh. sounds like something you should not do. um if it's okay can you tell us a little bit about what your prep how your prep has been different this time like how has your training been different how has your nutrition been different have you (laughs) i'm like just like so bad at nutrition (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean by that um i just think like of all the things that i try to focus on and try to like optimize nutrition is always the one that i just like leave lagging behind Mm-hmm. It's my like forgotten child that I just don't really put any effort into. But s- some weeks I do, just not most of them. <laughs> but I'm trying to get more protein in. Okay, uh, uh, that, that's a good start. That's a good start. <laughs> is, do you have like a particular weakness with food? Like, do you just hate tracking or are you seduced by dumplings or like what's the deal? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, same. I think like I just, to be fair, I mean, I still. I mostly eat the same thing every day, but I just want to be able to eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely have a hard time saying no to myself, particularly when it comes to snacks. Like I'm, I really, really like snacks. So I'd rather eat like half of my dinner and be able to have snacks. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what I do. (laughs) I just eat less and have snacks. Um, But yeah, it's trying to make sure I get the, you know, actual like nutritional Get some micronutrients, get some protein. Um, Yeah, and protein is the one that I try 
to focus on hitting mm -hmm. <laughs> because it is important. <laughs> yeah. So I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your like top snack options? Mm. Any cheesy, cheesy, crunchy anything. Cheetos, um, oh, Cheez-Its. Oh. Um, I had some Cornados the other day. Those are pretty good. <laughs> and I saw they do a hot and spicy flavor and I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like the flaming Hot Cheetos. Mm -hmm. Big fan. Um, just like Cheds crackers. Have you had those? Not since I was like, sucks. Okay. Those are good. Those are really good. So yeah, crunchy and cheesy is mm -hmm. like the main thing. I do like chocolate, but I don't need that much of chocolate. Mm -hmm to satisfy me whereas like okay so when I, when I eat those sorts of things I hate getting the stuff on my fingers so I eat it with chopsticks like... I saw someone do that the other day and it, it would come with like a package it was packaged so that you um it came with a little tong oh that's amazing that's amazing you'd love that yeah. I can understand that actually I don't really like getting my fingers dirty but I try to just lean into it and be like it's okay to be messy have you been to um sneaky snacky yes yeah that's oh yeah yeah we went place. together last we went yeah, there. yeah yeah that's yeah. that's that's leaning into getting that's dirty. leaning into getting getting dirty yeah so sneaky snacky is a fried chicken place and they do these chicken sandwiches and they're so like oily and saucy that they come with like gloves so you can pick it up with gloves and, and eat the sandwich with the gloves and then just dispose of them you also have the option of getting them in a glazed donut bun so <laughs> the glaze is like dripping off it in addition to like the oil from the chicken and like the sauce it's just like all mingling together in the most wonderful concoction right so if i so if i was going to summarize the last sort of couple of minutes of our conversation <laughs> like a lot of people would think oh world champion powerlifter like best in the world their diet must be so dialed in they probably eat nothing but chicken and broccoli no <laughs> when people who maybe don't know that much about powerlifting they'll be like oh wow like you do powerlifting like so, so you must eat really well. Like, what's your diet like? And I'm like, you should join my sport because I eat whatever I want. <laughs> for the most part, for the most part. To be fair, lockdown really um, fucked me because I ate. I was indulging so much because we couldn't do anything else. And then I came out like 61 kilos. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think you found all of the weight that I lost during lockdown. I, I came out like a hundred kilos. We were, we were indulging so hard. And especially there was a point where I was working in the testing stations. And so I was doing quite long days and John was cooking for us. And he is very good at cooking oven dinners. <laughs> So we had like chicken tenders and like um, mince and cheese pie for dinner. And we just have half of the like family size pie each and like four chicken tenders. And then we have desserts. So that's, that's, that's nutrition for you. Um, this John is your boyfriend who is yeah. also a powerlifter and he's in the other room doing his coaching work right now. Yeah. Yeah. So he can't hear me talking about what a good cook he is. I will I will make sure he sees this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tag him when you post it. Just timestamp it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. At John Strachan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you, you came out of lockdown at like 61 kilos. How's your body weight now? Like are you on track? Are you you're back under control? Are you going to do a phenomenal like hero water cut where you sit in the sauna for 12 hours? No, absolutely no. Um... I am water cutting for the first time since 
the first time in this weight class I used to watercut as a 52 but I yeah it's been a while um so but I'm because of that I'm only taking on like a pretty small watercut like it's mm-hmm. it's less than two kilos so it's pretty reasonable. pretty reasonable um and I'm more comfortable with that because I was like oh, I haven't done this in a while I mean again I think it'll be fine I have a pretty extensive plan in place I'll probably end up too light but we'll just see how we go I think I think it's like riding a bike mm-hmm. perhaps from memory you have a morning session right I have a midday session. Oh, you've got a midday session. Yeah, okay. so I weigh in about 12.30. Okay. Which is really great, I think, for... It's probably ideal, actually, it's probably because it's not, yeah. it's not so long that you're awake the whole day and you can't eat anything, but it's not um, so early that you wake up and you're over and you don't have any time to do anything about it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah I was looking at the timetable uh, earlier today and I noticed the, the those primetime sessions that they're setting up. They mm. don't start lifting till late 7 p.m like yeah. they'll be lifting 7 till 10 p.m and that's so, not a fun session no it's particularly with the nerves there's a pretty good chance you're gonna wake up at like 6 a.m and then just spend the next like 10 or 11 hours sitting in your hotel room like twiddling your thumbs and either you've made weight so you'll be sitting there like maybe sipping some water or like mm-hmm. eating some nutrigrain or something or you haven't made weight and so you'll just be sitting there like stressing about making weight or maybe like alternating jumping in in a sauna or something yeah, yeah, I think um, that's probably like the worst, the worst way of doing <laughs> Yeah. Like nice for them that they're in the prime time, but not nice for them because it's a shitty time to weigh in. That's a shitty time to weigh in. I would rather have an early morning weigh in than like an evening weigh in, I think. Maybe they should just um, like, if they're jet lagged, they should just like keep their, keep their jet lag. try and keep their um, their body clock at that like time zone so that they can like wake up just before their session. <laughs> Or they could be weaker, that's a piece of advice so they're for me. in the B-flight. <laughs> then, it's not, then it's not a problem. <laughs> B-flight's got an advantage. B- yeah. That's not real. B-flight doesn't have an advantage. But <laughs> just, just putting that out there. It's real. <laughs> um, are you willing to talk about your goals for Worlds? Is that something that you're willing to talk about on the podcast? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what my goals are. Okay. I don't know if I have strict number goals exactly, mm-hmm. um, but I think this is my first time stepping on the platform in the open, mm-hmm. so that's like a pretty big yep. deal, and originally that was supposed to be Sheffield, which is wild, um, <laughs> but yeah, that didn't happen. So I think for me, one of the main parts of this competition is just to go in and sort of um, hold my own, I guess, like, like debut on the open platform and like feel okay about it. Mm-hmm. Like have an all right time and be like, I've made it to the open and I'm doing okay. I'm an adult among all these other adults. <laughs> There's something very intimidating about lifting in the open and also like all of these big name lifters who particularly have been lifting longer than me or like I've looked up to when I was a junior and now I'm lifting next to them like is very daunting. So I just want to be able to like get through that and be like, yeah, I can, I belong here and I deserve to be here and I can do this and that kind of thing. How much time do you spend thinking about those other lifters and what they're doing and where they're at? 
maybe less than you'd think yeah. because I can't look at anything that has anything to do with them. <laughs> so, like, I shouldn't bring up their names. I shouldn't tell you what they've been lifting. Like, I should just keep that to myself. Yeah, I generally don't follow my competitors, like, on social media before a competition because mm. I do get a bit psyched out. And because, I mean, I think, as anyone knows, like, it's a highlight reel and they post the best stuff and, like, so do I. So, whatever, we're all doing that. Um, but... It's just better for me to try and focus on what I can do than what they're doing because obviously I have no control over what they do. They're going to lift what they're going to lift and I'm going to lift what I'm going to lift and like we'll just see where the ships fall. Um, but I guess I kind of I, – I know where we're sort of placed. I wouldn't let myself read that like preview that they did, but I know where we're placed mm-hmm. um, and I'm okay with that. And I don't really think about it that often. I'm just going to try and bring my best performance. Mm-hmm. Are you going to listen to the King of the Lifts preview? Probably not. Okay. No offense. What about What about afterwards? <laughs> maybe afterwards. And, I'll, and, and we'll see like how right you were. And I mean, I think it'll be pretty accurate. I think, I don't know. I mean, you never know what's going to happen on the day. And with this added thing of COVID like someone could get sick and pull out like mm. just beforehand so that could really change things as well so yeah there's a there's a lot that can ha- even even though it's only two weeks away there's a lot that can happen between now and then that can affect that outcome still um like knock on wood um but like South Africa could go into a lockdown and like we could all just not not even get there. I like, mean, that, that would be wild. That would be wild. That could that could still happen at this point. We like, could get there, and then they could go into lockdown, and we could be stuck there. Oh, <laughs> Nationals twenty twenty one. At least we'll be stuck there together. Together, it'd be the we strongest hotel trying to like... <laughs> figure out how to get back to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe we just stay in South Africa for four months. That could be that could be kind of dope. Work remotely. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about your uh, your outside of powerlifting stuff? Tell us about your job. Your sure. I I am my job title is Fano support worker. With, mm-hmm. um, for those who aren't in New Zealand, Fano means family um, at a team parenting unit, which is like a small school uh, specifically for teen parents. At this moment, it's just teen mums, um, sort of ranging from. 13 to 21 is like our age range um and i support their health needs so i do a lot of health related stuff i do a lot of health education i do a lot of um just chatting about health stuff um i do some stuff with their babies as well which is cool i make sure that they get immunized which is kind of sad because they're getting but like good for them, but like sad because they're crying. But the rest of the time they're happy and it's great. <laughs> I get to hold babies and um, yeah, so that's my job. I also do a little bit of coaching on the side. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I have maybe six clients now, which is like almost too much for someone who has like a main job. Mm. Um, but that's really fun. I really enjoy that. And one of my clients is actually also, she's going to junior worlds this year. So I'm, that's dope. Well, she's applied. The team <laughs> has not been chosen, but I mean, 
I'm very confident she'll get chosen. And so I'm, I'm thrilled about that. That's like... Are you going to go? Are you coach Evie? No. I don't think I could afford to. I would love to if I could, but I don't think I'll be able to. But I'm I'm very uh, happy to, to hand her over to you. I think you're more <laughs> likely to be the team coach. And I think... Um, yeah, I never really thought I'd get to that point where I'd have someone who's like going to Worlds. That's a, such a... Because I pretty much exclusively coach beginners, so... Mm-hmm. And here's, she's but she's phenomenal. She was a beginner, and then she was not very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you ever want to make coaching your full-time thing? I don't think so. I think that there's parts of coaching that I want to bring into my full-time thing. Um, which I've kind of like dabbled in before. Um, I did, I did a like strength training program with Lift for Life and we did, it was all online again due to COVID, which is a little bit unfortunate, but, um, we did a program for youth, um, young girls. And it was sort of like a, it was called the empower project. And it was like a combination of using strength training as like a vehicle for teaching about, all sorts of things like self-confidence and, um, you know, affirmations and self-talk and also like um, dealing with relationship conflict and um, dealing with like, I guess, social change and like the sort of unfair things that happen around you and what you can do about it. So we found a way to like bring that together and deliver it online. And that's something that I would want to, I want to move more towards um, with, with my work at the TPU, we've just started doing a little bit of strength training. We're doing a PE session um, once a week, and I've ordered all this gear. Um, no barbells yet, but we'll get there. Uh, and that's like, I think that there's so much potential in for powerlifting and strength training in general to bring positive outcomes in other areas of people's lives that I'm like, let's take some of that and bring it into this. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's very related to health. So like it's, I can justify it. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Lift for Life there. That's a really interesting charity organization. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about Lift for Life? Lift for Life, um, they have a whole bunch of projects to be honest, but like I think what they're most known for is the gyms that they open um, in Zimbabwe. And I think they have some, maybe one in Lift. Lesotho now um and maybe one somewhere else I can't mm-hmm. remember but um they fundraise to open community gyms in like less developed areas they put the gear in there they'll go down and they'll run workshops and they'll bring people over from the states to come and sort of see the project and that helps to fund it as well um so yeah they do some really cool stuff and then I guess through that like having that community base of this gym, they've been able to do other smaller projects like um, education projects, particularly when COVID was a thing and no one was going to school. Um, They've been able to run like a chicken farming project where they, to help people generate some income. Um, So like, I think they've got a community garden as well, because obviously that kind of ties into like, like food security ties into your health and well-being, and like you need to be fueled so that you can lift weights um yeah they do heaps of really cool stuff i'd love to have time to work with them again yeah it seems like you do like ten thousand things how do you have how do you have time for all of the stuff that you do i don't sleep very much (laughs) i do i do i sleep more now but um 
I don't know. I'm always on the go. I'm not a person who, like, sits still for that long. So. Is this too too much sitting still? Well, we're talking, so it's okay, and mm -hmm. it's it's kind of it's an activity, so it's all right. Right, right. So you don't just sit on the couch and blob out for an hour. I try to like schedule in time for that. <laughs> You're I think so it's type A. To do it, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm like a big nerd, and I I think I'm also like I really like to be in control of things. So once I start getting involved with something, I'll just take on more and more and more, and then I don't know how to step back. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of where I'm at to some degree with like our local association and now the national federation as well <laughs> you are the secretary of auckland powerlifting association mm. and also the secretary of new zealand powerlifting federation mm. that's yeah that's a lot of stuff i don't really even know what the secretary is supposed to do <laughs> so i think that i'm just like yeah. doing stuff that I, is not even my job are you gonna are you gonna get fired for like telling everyone you don't know what your job is i don't think they could fire me <laughs> I run this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Just kidding, okay. kind of. <laughs> kind of kidding, not, not kidding. Yeah, kidding a little bit. <laughs> kidding a little bit. I don't think anyone knows what they're doing on, on the, maybe on like a, I was going to say like within our powerlifting association, but maybe on a wider level, no one knows what they're doing. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. One of my mentors pointed out to me like kind of early in my my day job career, I guess. That like the most important thing that and the hardest thing to do in knowledge-based work is also the first thing you have to do which is figure out what the hell you have to do um and so like the, the hardest thing to do in a lot of days where there's not someone there telling you what to do is just is figure that out and so stuff like running a federation or is is very much like yeah. how do we make this better and there's no one still telling you how no. to make it better in, in many cases like you kind of step into a role there and there isn't really a handover process like you just that's a thing we could make better <laughs> it is um and i have an idea for that okay. <laughs> um, but yeah it's sort of um you slowly uncover the things that you're supposed to be doing and i think you also uncover the things that you want to be doing and you know would improve the organization as a whole but you have to like get to the point where you can do the thing that would make things better yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that sounds very much like my day job <laughs> very much like my day job well maybe one day i could get paid for this sort of stuff I, i'll hire you tomorrow i don't have the authority to hire you tomorrow i will get you an interview tomorrow yes <laughs> this is a little bit of a correction take please. take take more things on well you probably you probably have to stop something to do another day job no <laughs> Ah, okay. It'll be my night job. I'll do that one when we're stuck in South Africa. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, too chaotic. And she's coming in recovered for the <laughs> for the world champs, we hope, while not sleeping. Evie, world champion, does not sleep. Mostly eats hot Cheetos. Then <laughs> trains sometimes. Trains quite a lot. Trains, trains the amount she's supposed to train. That's 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 the right amount of training to do. That might be the only thing that's that's going for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually that reminds me. I actually noticed in the background of one of Dana's videos the other day, 
you like eating dinner or something and behind her bench oh what was i eating oh, i was eating a protein bar because getting that protein in you know yeah. as i'm supposed to um yeah i was just munching down on it and then i and then she was like oh my gosh i've caught you in the back and i was like cool i'm gonna do that again for the next set it's funny there, there was a period of time where i was in the background of all of your videos eating dinner while you were training yeah i uh, haven't done that in a while yeah, well, you never train in the evenings anymore, which is fair. It's very busy. Yeah, yeah. I also work slightly different weird hours now. Like, I typically work 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. Um, mm. So it's just, like, easier to get in in the morning. That's fair. And it's quiet. And it's pretty quiet, which is nice. Yeah. No fighting for the, the good racks. Yeah, the, the racks always available. The bar's always available. Um lower risk of getting COVID because there's fewer people there. Um, <laughs> yes. I get to pick the music because I'm often the first or second person there. That's a big one. Actually. That's a really big one. Yeah. Hope you like join a Lucas because that's all we're listening to every day. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to about the world's experience lifting aside? Oh, that's easy. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the, uh, other competitors compete like the other people on New Zealand team yeah particularly those who haven't gone to a world's before mm -hmm. I think I might be more excited for that than I am for my own lifting <laughs> <laughs> I just think like I I guess like I remember that experience and I just can't wait to like relive it through their eyes a little bit and to like see what that's like for them and um I think they call that voyeurism yeah I mean <laughs> But, like, in a very, like, wholesome way. Like... Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just thrilled for them. I'm excited for them. Like, it's it's mm -hmm. going to be so cool. And I hope I hope that it lives up to my expectations of, like, how cool it should be. But mm -hmm. I think it will be. I think, like, all of it will feel so, like, novel and, like... Yeah. Even the parts that are, like, mundane and normal about competing are, like, a little bit different because they're, like, in a different environment. So, mm. yeah. And it's been three years since we've been in a different environment now. Yes. Yes. So I just want to, yeah, be there for them. And I'm excited to be on the other side of it because this will be my first time, like, handling mm. um, at a World's Comp. So I'm handling Amy Lee um, <laughs> along with you and someone else, I think. Anyway, yeah. So that's going to be really cool to, like, yeah, be able to support her. That's very exciting. Now, how is preparing to handle at an event like that different to preparing to compete at an event like that? I think my role in all of this is just to like prepare snacks and like hold stuff and like load weights. Like I'm pretty sure that I have like absolutely no responsibility other than that. So it's on you. And Kedrick. And Kedrick. It's okay. on you guys. Um, really, the main, the main, all of the, the actual preparation. Mine is just be like, what kind of music does she want to listen to? What kind of snacks does she want to eat? I mean, snacks are snacks are important. Snacks are important. Snacks are really important. So I'm going to make sure that I have the, the good snacks. Mm -hmm. And um, that I guess I like, I mean, I know her pretty well, so I feel like I'll be able to understand her vibe. But yeah, to make sure that I'm like giving her what she needs on the day, like, in terms of, like, is she the kind of lifter that likes to be left alone to get really, like, serious? Or is she the kind of lifter that needs a little bit of banter and to, like, keep her chill? Or is she 
you know, the kind of lifter that needs like the hype up, which I think she's a bit of, I think she's a bit more of the, the last one, like. Like yelling and back Yeah, yeah, like I'm going to be like, let's fucking go, Emily. No swearing on the platform. No, but I'm out back, it's fine. Okay. And I have yeah. no responsibility whatsoever, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all on you. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. It's us banned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be so mad if you get us banned. <laughs> get the whole coaching stuff kicked out. I think I'd have to do something pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, it would have to be pretty bad, yeah. Me running out on the platform to like backslap her. <laughs> Can you imagine like someone streaking at a powerlifting event or something? That would get you banned for sure. Yeah, why has that never happened? Well, maybe it has. I don't know. <laughs> Write in the comments below if you've ever seen a streaker in a powerlifting cup, or if you have intentions to do that at this one. <laughs> And can you let us know which session so we can watch? I want to make sure to be there and yeah, <laughs> in person. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta witness these things happening. You know, it's part of history. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any, um, are there any sessions that you're particularly looking forward to watching? Aside from the Amy Lee session where you're hammering. Actually, I hadn't even thought about that. That's quite a good question. Um, but I think I've been like so preoccupied. Very narcissistic. I've already thought about myself and my session. <laughs> I haven't even thought about the other one. So. TBD. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably be there to watch a fair amount of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will undoubtedly enjoy it and be like, wow, I got to see some like really impressive stuff. But because I think I haven't been following a huge, even like the other weight classes previews, I haven't really been following any of it. So yep. I like have no idea what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, one of the things that I really enjoy about the fantasy powerlifting that we run, so if you haven't signed up for fantasy fantasy powerlifting yet, you definitely should. But one of the things I really enjoy about doing that is it makes you make time to sit down and think about what's coming up. Mm. And like in doing that, it kind of makes you appreciate it more because like you sit down and you go, okay, like what's going on in the 47 kilo women's class? And you're like, you look at the class and you look at the people who are there and you're like, ah, oh, like I know some of these people, right? I like, I know of all of these people, but like, I know some of these people it looks like it's, you know, it's going to be, a, there's going to be stuff happening and like mm. you get excited about the stuff that's coming up. And I think that's quite cool. Yeah. It's an act of like anticipating it and it sort of builds the suspense. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of the equivalent of making like a Pinterest board of like the, the island that you're going to go to on holiday, except it's power, it's the powerlifting version of making a, a holiday Pinterest board. <laughs> you just made it sound like way lamer than I think it is, but I mean, I don't know, maybe fantasy powerlifting is kind of lame. I don't know. <laughs> hey, no hey. offense <laughs> no I, I i i get what you mean and i think like that also i mean it's a cool way of doing it i know that um i suppose here domestically in new zealand before we've had like those preview podcasts for like our nationals and i think like definitely listening to that stuff always gets me kind of excited because yeah it gets you thinking about it and like the battles and like what could happen and um it's leaning into it a bit more like you're almost like getting more bang for your buck because like you could create this hype around it with like these additional events or yeah content and yeah. like it, it gives you buy-in to an event that you might otherwise not be bought into at all like you could very easily like ignore the 47 kilo woman or you could show up and watch it passively and be like yeah. oh yeah Heather Connor is a strong woman and like end of story but... yeah not know anything about like the other and I think that's maybe where like great commentary comes in and great speaking comes in because like they can really build that story for you a bit more like Mm. it's the story that's lacking if you only turn up on the day and you don't know anything about the 
yeah the people competing yeah what i i also really like and this is probably a little more niche even than powerlifting already is um i really like even seeing people fighting for a second and third and fourth like i like that's cool like we like 63 kilo woman we all know leah bobois is gonna she's gonna win by like 60 kilos right but there's also still a four or five way fight for second place and like that's that's still gonna be cool to watch even though it's not the it's number not, one yeah, spot yeah, yeah. like it's, it's not world a, champ but it's like it's still a thing that's happening it's still and still a massive achievement as well oh absolutely um, like yeah. all of those women are going to total around An about 500 amount. kilograms i think that's the thing that is crazy is that we're at a point now where those classes are so stacked like it's still impressive it's impressive to just be there and competing but like yeah second third fourth place is like best you're still best in the world mm, mm. i mean and you can say that about like the 74 kilo men as well like taylor atwood probably gonna win by by a lot mm. but like that doesn't mean the people who are coming second through 10th are like those are, those are still amazing athletes mm. and they're still achieving a lot and i guess like of course it's exciting to watch those big name lifters who are gonna do things that are like out of this world but it's also exciting to watch the competition to watch like people actually battling it out like there's sort of a bit more going on there yeah um i like i like battles a yeah. lot more than more than i like exhibition lifting um Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like rory just said he doesn't even care about <laughs> watching taylor atwood <laughs> of, of course i want to watch taylor atwood total 800 or 830 or 840 but mm. I think I would rather see people do the sport of powerlifting where they're jockeying for position. And so like, in some ways last year was quite cool that he wasn't there. And, you know, Alexander Erickson scraped in with like a, was, I think it was like a 727.5 kilo total, which is a lot, right? Like that's just shy of 10 times body weight. It's not 800, but it's just shy of 10 times body weight. Um, and that was a really good fight. And like, there was good coaching and there was, you know, like, and that was, that was really cool to watch. It's so game day coach of you to like love like seeing all that stuff in play and the I guess the strategy and Am I the only person like doing maths in the audience? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but that's why you're so good at what you do, so uh, that's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Self belief. <laughs> oh yeah, we were just talking about this. <laughs> positive self-talk you're good enough <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm adequate at you're this. enough <laughs> thank you thank you i'm i'm really rusty at game day coaching i did it for because obviously nationals was tanned so i didn't do any at nationals mm. um and so like i've done three or four meets so far this year which is which has been good but the first one or two back i was i was a little rusty i have to say um well that's not encouraging well, I mean, I did two. <laughs> I did two novice meets in March, and then I did Auckland Champs, and I then I've done another meet since then. And so I'm back now. But, I'm in good hands. But the first time, I was like, "Oh, how do I time warm ups?" Like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I remember how this goes." Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's just another one of those things where I like feeling like we've been away for so long that you're like, "Oh, um, what 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 is this thing that we have to do again?" I actually, I actually, one thing I do is that helped a lot was I take notes after every session of what I did and what went well and what went badly. So being able to go back to that and be like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm remembering the lessons that I had in the past. Um, You're like an HR person's dream. Like, 
this like feedback and i don't think the new zealand coaching staff have an hr person maybe you could do that add to your list of list of duties <laughs> maybe you could do that i, I kind of do like <laughs> yeah you are that like person. like being like the head coach at least for the new zealand team is like largely an administrative role like i do the scheduling i you know make sure the other coaches are, are know what's going on like it's it's a lot of that kind of stuff as well as the actual game day coaching. There is a surprising amount of admin that has to take place for all of these things too. There's a lot of admin that goes into something like going to the World Championships. There's flights, hotel bookings, uniforms, uh, like transit from the airport to the hotels. Uh, Just forms. There's like... forms to fill out. There's, there's drug testing forms. There's the, there's like the de- there's like the declaration. There's like the test thing that you have the the wider testing that you have to do there's uh there's forms for the coaches to fill out there's forms for the athletes there's forms for the adults if they're a minor like it's yeah it's a process it's a process and i don't envy people who organize world championships or who organize sending lifters to world championships yeah and so every form that we fill out someone at the other end has to process um and not just us but all of the other athletes as well yeah for so so many people and you can only imagine how many people they have to follow up being like oh this piece of information is missing or the amount of emails they have to reply to with like um information that could have been found on the website had they looked well probably they (laughs) spend a lot of time following up payments like there'll be a lot of hey this payment was due on the the fifth it's now the seventh like yeah so big respect to the south african powerlifting federation because i wouldn't want your job yeah yeah i i feel like being mid director for a a really like a world's must be like a full-time job for six months like that's that's a huge amount of work i don't know how they balance um doing that to be honest i don't know how they make it work no i have no idea like i don't know i don't know how you would do that sheer love of the sport like what powers you? <laughs> <laughs> Who pays you? Like, like vengeance? No. Like, I don't, I don't know. Desire to put on a better meat than last year? Are you the meat director? Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? Massive respect. And like, there's a, and and it's not just the meat director, right? It's there's the meat director, but then there's the person who does the volunteer scheduling. Oh, there's um, so many people. There's, the, there's yeah. so many people who have who don't even have specific roles but just have to put in just so much doing time. a lot of stuff yeah yeah and then on top of that you have the the volunteers themselves right like you'll have people who won't do any prep for it but they'll show up and they'll spot and load every session or they'll referee every day or all of that stuff it's so many people it's so many people that make it work yeah so auckland has uh, north island championships is being held a couple of days from now day wednesday it's running saturday and sunday right mm. yeah so and you're doing a lot of the prep for that meet Mm. how's that going (laughs) it's it's yeah i mean i think we're lucky we do have a good volunteer base in auckland but our comps just keep getting bigger and bigger and so it's it's harder for us to get enough people um to actually staff them and also we keep running cooler comps which is great um because there's the addition of things like live stream commentary and um merch sales so we we continue to kind of elevate what we're doing and provide more services in a way but also that means that there's more people that we need to be able to do those things so yeah that's there's always always demand for volunteers 
I was actually, I was actually going to say that Auckland runs really high quality meets. Like the live stream out of Auckland competitions is, well, frankly, it was better than the, like the Japanese nationals live stream, way better than the Japanese nationals live stream. But like, it's just, it's just on a high quality, like the video quality is good. There's overlays of what's going on. There's commentary. There's, you know, there's music. Like mm. it's, it's just like a high quality production and mm. it's quite cool even for local meets to be able to show up and like even if an, even at a novice meet and there's like a high quality stream going on and your parents can watch from yeah. home or whatever like that's that's cool yeah and i do take pride in that and i think like i have to remind myself like that what we're doing is is pretty is pretty great um and not just be like frustrated about how much work it takes to pull it off like frankly it's above and beyond like mm. we could run bare bones we could very much run bare bones meets i mean for example like one of the things that we introduced fairly recently is like we now flip between two different cameras and that's now like that's every meet that we're having that's the standard multiple cameras that we and obviously then there's a person whose job it is to flip between the different cameras um so that's an additional person giving at least three hours of their time um for Mm -hmm. one session Mm -hmm. um but that's like that's such a cool thing to have. Yeah, yeah. From the so I, I I spend a lot of time with the New Zealand referees and running seminars and stuff. And so one one other cool thing about New Zealand powerlifting generally, not just Auckland, is that this like the standard of our comps and the standard of our refs is just like the baseline is quite high. Mm. You know, you see at some national level federations they let people get away with stuff that they might not otherwise and like the you know that kind of stuff and it's just it's just sloppy is not the word but like the standard is like a little bit lower but like this refereeing standard in new zealand is really high like you go to a novice meet and it's mm. the expectations are that people are the same yeah it's kind of just the same yeah i think I, I think our referee standard continues to to i guess not raise like it's not getting harder for people but like we continue to bring in more great referees who are well trained mm. and that's definitely a credit to you and Anna um, and the work that you're doing there um, and I think like it's such a it's of such great service to our lifters because when they get to these world level competitions they're ready yeah you know, we don't yeah. want that huge gap between what happens locally and what happens even at our national level right like we don't want lifters who swept through nine for nine no problem no red lights at a local meet and then get to nationals and bomb because they've actually been squatting high the whole time um and i think that 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 rarely happens now um and is happening less so because of the high quality of refereeing yeah and i I think it's it's almost like a it would be a disservice to ourselves not to do that and we we kind of see at other countries um Obviously, not all countries, but there's some countries who show up at Worlds mm. and they bomb or they go four for nine or something because then the standard is higher and like it's, it's almost like not holding yourself to account. It's like it's like squatting high in the gym and then being like that will be there on the day, knowing full well that it probably, probably won't be. <laughs> uh, let's be honest. Yeah, I think you're rolling the dice there, and it's just not worth it. Um, and and yeah, again, like it's it's you're doing a better like credit to yourself and and i guess from a team perspective you know you're upholding a standard of the whole team as well by making sure that you are at 
comp standard like you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing like it's not it's not rocket science it's there in the in the rules but you'll know what it is like i mean a surprising number of people have don't know the rules that well and that's okay that's okay like mm. and, and you particularly when you're new that's there's an opportunity to learn there but once you do know what, what the standard is like yeah i think i mean maybe i'm just like nitpicking but i think there's not really an excuse to not know once you get to i mean really even any any comp i think you I think you should you... know like you're yeah. you're signing up you're you're paying for this you're committing to this so you know just have a little read like it's not it's not that long yeah yeah i i think one other thing is that it's at least partially a coach's responsibility to point out when people aren't executing it's uh, definitely if you have yeah. a coach they should 100 percent be pulling you up and coaches that aren't doing that are yeah and you occasionally bad. you occasionally do see that like you'll see someone with yes. a coach there who is clearly scoring high and and that's expect, awkward. That's very awkward to watch. Very <laughs> awkward to watch. Like, oh, do I? I think that's where there's like there's a real benefit to having a coach that is also a referee. Yeah. Because they yeah. really understand. I guess I mean they understand obviously what the rules are, but they kind of understand also how they might be applied and how there may be what what the possibilities are on the day because obviously everyone it's subjective to yeah. some degree. Like we all have sort of a different perspective and some refs might be harsher than others. And I think someone who's an experienced ref will understand that and be like, you may get pinged for this by some referees and you may not, but because of that, like window, let's make sure we're on the, the safe <laughs> side. Yeah. Get out of that gray area. And yeah. it's an area where we know what the result is going to be. Yeah. I mean, and even if you're not, a, if you're a coach who doesn't referee often, I think it still pays to be a ref because you have, yeah a good understanding yeah i agree like studying for the ref exam probably makes you a better coach even even if you don't actually do the refereeing though well, we giving would back, like to you giving back is good as well but yeah yeah we would like you to do that <laughs> yeah that's how i accidentally became a referee um, oh I, no really uh, yeah so i that's did that so funny and now you're like the <laughs> highest ranked referee in the whole country <laughs> yeah so i did um <laughs> i did the re first referee exam uh to become a provincial referee uh, to be better in the gym with the people i was training with to be better at like giving commands and checking depth and stuff so like i would be prepared for that and then like purely by happenstance i i did my national there was a space to do my national level exam at a meet that I was at anyway and I was just spec I was going to just be spectating and I just hit the two-year mark and so I was like yeah why not um and then so I became a national level level referee like a bang on two years after I became a provincial referee and then basically bang on two years after that I happened to be at the world championships and our president at the time volunteered me without telling me and he just showed up and he was like by the way you're doing a referee exam now and I was like I'm, uh, I'm doing what now? I'm and... not, I'm not <laughs> I mean, I, I got like two days warning um, before before I sat the exam. And so like, fortunately, that's not, I was, little, that's not a lot of time. Like, for, fortunately, I was like, well brushed up already. Like I wasn't. I mean, it worked out. okay. I, it worked out. Okay. Um, like, I, I might have got 98% on the exam. I mean, it's a 90% pass rate. So like, you're like, you're expected to do very, very well. But um, like, 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 but I did pass. And so it did work out okay. And here we are. And, and here we are. I haven't got the referee scheduled for Worlds yet. I don't know what sessions I'll be refing at Worlds. 
Yeah, I think I'm down to TC, but I also don't know if that's happening or when, so... Mm. I'm sort of checking daily to see if the referee schedule is out yet. Mm. I, I expect it must be out soon. I, they were probably waiting for the final nominations before they locked that in. I hope I get to referee the like the 105 kilo men or the 120 kilo men. I think that would be exciting. That would be an exciting session. <laughs> I want to see uh, Bryce Crawshake deadlift like 390 kilos. That would be exciting. That would be very exciting. Yeah. Well, like maybe the 47 kilo, because of course I can't referee sessions that New Zealanders are in, but mm. like the 47 kilo woman, that would be quite good. There's going to mm. be that battle between, I know you haven't been following, Heather Connor, Tiffany But Chappelle. I'm listening. Yeah. 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 I'm both hearing go- you. They're both likely to total between about 400 and 420 kilograms. Mm, um, that's pretty sick. That's, yeah, it's very sick. Um, <laughs> I think the world record is 408. And Jeez. so they're both going to be like around, uh, somewhere yeah. around that area. That's, um, and dip. I think Heather's going to deadlift over 200 kilos. Well, that's insane. That's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, that's four and a four and some change times body weight. Yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. I do think um, you know, refereeing it's kind of the best seat in the house, although sometimes you don't see that much because you're too busy looking at like It hip, kind of hips, turns into a blur. Hips like, and yeah. shoulders and elbows and knees. Yeah. You're just looking for joints and if they're yeah, <laughs> yep. you're not even necessarily checking, like looking at what the weight is. No. Somehow, like somehow, you're checking that it's loaded correctly, but but you're not really processing like, oh, that's 200 kilo deadlift. It's like, yes, that weight is on the correct weight is on the bar. This lifter is. There's too many other things that you are having to think about that you can't really actually appreciate what's going on and yeah. just sit back and enjoy it. You're like, yeah, it's not it's not like being in the audience, but it's not, but it is. You're very much front and center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the in the loudest, biggest sessions, it, it, you kind of become part of the action uh, as well, which is which can be quite fun. Um, it's definitely I definitely prefer to be a side ref in those sorts of. You can be you can afford to be a little bit more laid back and like. Yes. Occasionally slip out of ref mode and like. <laughs> <laughs> little little less pressure. A little less pressure. A little less pressure. Yeah. And so, no one's going to yell at you if you're side ref. Well, yeah, <laughs> most likely, mostly no one's going to yell at you if you're side ref. I mean, I would, I would hope that most coaches are, approach the referees with respect and dignity, even when they are uh, disagreeing. But yeah, we I know that doesn't always case, happen. But yeah. <laughs> so, um, of course, there is a jury at Worlds, so like if anyone's getting approached, it's, it's should be the it jury. Should, should be the jury, and I guess the TC gets asked a lot of questions as well. No pressure. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Oh, well, I guess we'll see when we see the referee schedule, huh? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. are, you in the, are you in the Cabanas as well? Yes. Seems like everybody is. That's where the, the cool people party is going to be. I, mm. I mean, it was the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes. let's be honest, even then it wasn't that cheap. <laughs> That's okay. It, it looks pretty nice. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it'll be really nice. Like, the whole place looks really nice. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny, like, we're staying in Johannesburg first in, like, an apartment, and then we're staying, obviously, at the Cabanas at the Comp Hotel, and then we go to Cape Town and stay in, like, a um, like 18-bed dorm in, like, a hostel. <laughs> so it's a real combination of accommodation types. That's sure a... Uh... <laughs> A contrast. I, yeah. 
getting yeah. many different experiences. I also have a room to myself, which is very rare for me. I'm not sharing with anyone. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I um, I always try to get a room to myself because especially doing, like, back-to-back coaching days, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, Evie, you can't go celebrate and come back late and we can mm-hmm. Yeah, I but, purposely didn't ask you because I knew that you wouldn't want but to But I need to go to bed at a reasonable time <laughs> so I can give the yeah, tomorrow's athletes the best version of myself to, yeah. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, that's... Sharing's pretty common, though. I think most people share. I did try to share with two other of the female athletes on our team, but they said they couldn't do that. So (laughs) that's why I'm by myself. How does rejection feel, (laughs) me? It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It'll be weird. I'm, like, not used to having a room to myself. Because I have a partner, obviously, but... <laughs> the the need to clarify is quite amusing. I just, I actually when I I used to live in London, I used to share a room because I because it was London and it was expensive, so I slept in like a bunk bed with like another woman. That actually, let's talk about that briefly because you <laughs> you you've lived all over the place, right? Like you grew up in China, or you spent part of your childhood in China. No, you... no, I spent. I went and worked in China. Oh, sorry, you went and worked in China. Mm. Oh, okay, sorry. For some reason, I thought you were like very young when you get back. No, I was. I I was born in the UK in London and grew up there until I was seven. Moved to Christchurch, New Zealand. Spent most of my formative years there. At eighteen, I moved back to London for a yearish, and yeah, I was living in this ridiculous shared accommodation situation at one point it was it was three of us in the room in one of the houses i stayed in and then i moved to another house into a smaller room and it was just two of us (laughs) and there was like three showers in this place and like 50 people i think it was illegal that sounds that we had to pay in cash i'm pretty sure i'm sorry what yeah i'm pretty sure it was illegal you had to pay in cash i think so anyway so i mean that's probably still operating (laughs) So, it was in Mitchum, <laughs> if anyone wants to go have a look. <laughs> I, so I used to live in this, like, grotty hostel in the middle of Auckland. And so I had, I had a bedroom to myself, but I shared a bathroom with um, 20 people and a kitchen with 40 people. Um, yeah. And so my neighbor was this uh, old Chinese man. He was probably 45 or 50. And, and like, he was respectful and quiet and, and all of that stuff. Um, but he had this duffel bag that he carried around. And, like... You know, obviously, you you know, you carry your stuff to the bathroom. You you know, you do your ablutions. You you carry your stuff back. And so he would he would carry not just like his shampoo and his soap and stuff, but he would also carry the stuffle bag with him, and he would carry it into the shower room with him. And like, I literally like he would come out to get like a glass of water from the kitchen with the stuffle bag under his arm. And he always paid his rent in cash. Okay. So the only thing that I can gather is that the duffel bag was full of drugs. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, like I can't think of any other possible explanation. <laughs> I don't know. That place was so sketchy. So sketchy. I think where I lived was full of, like, very interesting, like, they were all sort of, like, traveler types. Or all, mostly young people, actually. Not all young people, but, like, almost all of them under the age of 30. Um, and so, like, it was a lot of fun, but it was a filthy place. That sounds filthy. And, yeah, you know, lots of shenanigans, as would happen when you put a whole bunch of young people who want to have fun in one place. 
yeah, I feel like if we keep going in that direction, we might end up in the um, R18 category. Um, okay. Yeah. This is a new realm for King of the Lifts. King of the Lifts after dark. Here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I moved out of there and then I moved to China for a bit. Um, I was teaching there. And then and I came back to New Zealand. No, no, I didn't. Then I went back to Europe again and mm-hmm. went traveling. And then I came back to New Zealand because I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. As you do. Mm-hmm. So, and you speak English and Mandarin, yeah? I mean, Debatable. I think that's generous. <laughs> generous. I've been learning you generously Mandarin. speak English. I've been learning Mandarin for a very long time and I'm still bad at it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, that, that's the important thing. That's the important thing. One yeah. day. One day. And then you went back to Christchurch for a little bit and then you uh, moved to Auckland. And then I moved to Auckland because Auckland was more like overseas but still within new zealand yeah 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 and so i'm still here that was a few years ago now was it, it was a while four, it was 20, five years 2017 2017 so, yeah, yeah five years five years i just kind of got stuck here yeah and now you've got a house and a partner and a <laughs> you yeah. co- coach some people i know you're really stuck i know <laughs> <laughs> but are we, do we have to like smuggle you out or something um, <laughs> maybe i just like won't come back from south africa oh south africa next huh well I, yeah i don't know i don't know about it but it could be a starting point yeah who knows could be an adventure maybe if maybe... we get stuck there it'll definitely be a starting point yeah i wonder if i have the right to work in south africa probably not probably not i don't think any of us is will. it different if you literally can't leave though Sure, mm, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those scenarios where the the embassy steps in, right? And they like fly out like a military plane. That'd be cool. We could we could fly out in one of those um Hercules C one thirties. Yeah, be, uh, very uncomfortable, I think. But but an adventure. Airlines. But but it would be an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of adventures, I um I went to hospital when I had COVID, um, and I had to get IV fluids. I've never had IV fluids before, but it's a very unusual feeling okay yeah um and so the novelty of that was quite cool like i think the novelty of flying back in a c-130 would be quite cool like, like not it's that you cool would... to do it once but you're like i don't really want to do this let's again. let's not have to get extracted from a foreign country again let's not have to go to hospital with covid and get iv fluids again yeah or, or hospital for any reason to get iv fluids like <laughs> well, yeah yeah okay. like that's, that's, that's also bad. that's fair we can expand, expand <laughs> that hospital for any reason at all maybe as, as yeah it's quite bad yeah i can agree with that Beyond perhaps like childbirth? If I'm having a child, that <laughs> something has gone terribly wrong. Or terribly right. <laughs> or, or terribly right. You are, you <laughs> Depending are on your perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is a good point. That is a very good point. <laughs> Don't know if that's ever been on your goals, but uh it, I can't I can't say it has actually. Um, no. <laughs> Should we just wrap it up now? <laughs> I, end recording. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to say anything else before we wrap it up? Is there anything you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't think we'd talk about any of the things we did talk about. I had literally no plans. So okay. I'm just happy to be here. If somebody wants to get hold of you to talk about powerlifting or coaching or mindset or maybe even nutrition who knows um how should they get hold of you <laughs> someone i hope someone just sends me a message being like 
I also love snacks. <laughs> Have you tried? In fact, that, that would, that's the kind of messages I want. Please message me with your snack recommendations. Okay, um, so if somebody as has... As long as they're cheesy and crunchy. Those are the two criteria. Um, yes, they can message me on Instagram. BV, which is the word B, and then my name, E-V-I-E, put together. So it's like three E's. Yeah. B-E-E-E-V-I-E. That's the one. Okay. Or you could probably just search E.B. Corrigan. I think it'd come up. Oh, okay. no, probably, you'll probably, like, tag me in this. And we'll tag you in all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I'm sure you could find me. BV on Instagram. Yeah. Only snack recommendations. I don't want any other requests. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. Hopefully at least somebody listening enjoys it also. And <laughs> It's just you and me chatting in my lounge, which is great. That's fine by me. Um, good luck for the World Championships. Yeah, you too. Thanks.